When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. All right. Welcome back to Blue by 90. I'm Justin, joined by Kaylin today. Jack will be coming on in a little bit. Um, but we've got Anthony Treesh from Pro Football Focus on today. We appreciate you joining, man. How you doing? I'm doing great. How you guys doing? Doing well. Doing well. Hanging in there. Yeah. Um, so I I should have asked this before we started recording. It is trash, correct? It's actually trash, but honestly, oh, no. it's like that's a big debate in my family that I just don't <laughs> even get involved with because everybody pronounces it differently, um, and no one gets it right the first time. So don't don't feel bad for getting it wrong. That's actually how like half of my family says it, but. I rolled with trash, so that's how I say it. But, you know, it's, it's like, kind of whatever at this point. What's, like, the worst mistake you've ever gotten? Oh, trash, easily. Trash. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll never forget. It was, like, I think it was second grade, you know, end of the year award ceremony. Some teacher never heard of, heard of me, you know, reading off names, you know, Anthony Trash. You know, you're, like, <laughs> eight years old. Everyone's pointing at you. Yeah. And then it just sticks from that point on. But now, I mean, that's probably the worst one. But um, it, it comes up every once in a while still. So. Tony Trash. Oh no. Tony Trash. Oh god. All right. Um we won't we won't put you through t- uh that much misery here. We like you already. So um but uh welcome to the pod. We appreciate you coming on. So you are the lead college football analyst for Pro Football Focus. Um tell us how you got there and and you know whatever, you know, whatever you've been doing to get to that point and also what you've been doing while you you're at Pro, uh PFF. Yeah, so I mean, I've been with PFF in some capacity, I think like five years now, Um, kind of grinded part time there for a couple of years, doing some data collection, 
um, working behind the scenes on some of the preview packets that we do for television networks. Um, and I just happened to be at the combine doing some stuff with uh, Bomberito Performance Systems with Pete Bomberito, um, helping out, you know, some of his athletes while he was in town. And I saw Steve Palazzolo's seven foot ass just walking around the Marriott. I was like, hey, I, I work with you guys. And then I had a good conversation with him. And then it was just by coincidence, they were looking for somebody and had a couple more conversations when they were in town and came to Cincinnati and ended up getting hired full time, kind of working with media deliverables um, and, you know, kind of like graphic strategy. And then eventually, um, you know, writing on part time on the side, you know, like some of that stuff, like my analysis kind of been through the, the ringer with uh, all the data collection and the analysis process. So, you know, and then eventually got promoted to content contributor and then DFF lead college analyst uh, a couple of years ago now. So that's where I'm kind of like leading the process, um, all the college rankings, you know, the top 10 list, the, you know, all conference teams, you know, the quarterback rankings, you know, I see, you know, get some help there, you know, ask around because you never want to have one person's opinion on one thing. You know, we are, you know, a whole, you know, company here. So, you know, ask, we'll work with Seth Galina a little bit on those. He watches those quarterbacks in depth quite a bit. Um, even Mike Renner, the lead draft analyst and Bruce Gratkowski to our quarterback specialist, former NFL quarterback, talk with him about these guys, break them down um, and kind of help, you know, get these lists. And because at the end of the day, they are very important. Um, you know, so that that's the favorite part about my job, because, you know, while like some people, I think more often than anything, people like from the outside just think, oh, they're just doing this to piss people off. You know, they hate this <laughs> team and all that. But it's like, no, that's not it. You know, my, that's my favorite aspect, just because you get those guys that, you know, of course, you know, for Michigan, right. You know, Blake Corum, he's getting all the recognition in the world. He's a superstar. He's one of the best running backs in the country. No one's going to argue that, but like, you know, you look at some other guys that, you know, maybe at the group of five level, this left guard from Texas state, you know, doesn't get a lot of recognition, but he was the first team all conference at school. His team's hyping him up, you know, maybe didn't get that for the, the media, which is a pretty flawed process. So, I mean, that's the best part, you know, get, you know, kind of showing light on the undervalued, aspect so yeah that's kind of been my timeline here um and then just kind of you see where what takes me on from here on out love it love it no it's a it's a cool thing i think um i'm always interested i go to your guys site quite often actually to just see especially while like during the season i want to see who's grading out well because i think from uh, there are a lot of casual fans out there you know and it's not like i'm like you know going through the film you know 10 different times. Right. So I, I would consider myself still, even though I host a podcast on it, still kind of casual, right. It's not like I'm analyzing it that in depth, but I'm always interested to see like, all right, this person made one good play. And that was like the big highlight that was in the highlight reel for the game. Did they suck the rest of the game or did they actually play a good complete game? And that's what I like to see from you guys. And it's just, it is interesting to see, um, especially from a, from my perspective too as a Michigan fan sometimes where I'm like man they all played a really good game how did we lose that game or some or the opposite you know how did we win that game and, and vice versa so um I I wanted to ask you I guess in a in a roundabout way here how much like how much do you put on actual like grades and stats and stuff like that or is there also just like simply the eye test like that that guy is a dude and he can play at the next level i'm glad you asked that because very few people ask that they just kind of think the grades the be all end all they think because right. this guy's the highest graded guy they think he's the best player and that's not the case i mean the grades are very very valuable 
they're they're correlated year to year. They're really strong in measuring player performance, maybe not so much player value. That's when you can kind of get into some other metrics. So I always say it's a leading indicator, right? So okay. if if this guy graded out well, why did he grade out well? You know, that's always the question. You should always ask why is this guy grading out at this level, right? And then you kind of look at the film and with our database that, you know, all 32 NFL teams use, every Power 5 program uses, and most of the group of five, you can burn through these plays, like, I mean, rapid fire. I mean, you can get through a game in minutes um, and really kind of see, and, you know, you can filter it in any statistic that you possibly could think of. If you want to see third down plays, you see third down plays. You know, for me, looking at the, the why of the grade, you can look at the way we kind of divvy up these grades. So everybody knows it's like a zero to 100 or 99.9 technically scale. You're not, you can't get a perfect 100. Um, you know, you look at that scale and what goes into that and formulates that is a lot of grades. You get, you know, zero grades or point, plus 0.5 grades, plus one grades, plus 1.5 or plus two grades. And it goes in reverse too, um, down to negative too. So you look at that, you look at all those grades and you kind of go through all the positives, all the negatives and look at how that kind of happened. And, you know, it's always like the, I think the worst part of like, I love every week of the college football season. I love it. You know, that that's what I live for, but definitely the worst time is like after week three, when you get these power five programs, just beating the hell out of these group of five teams <laughs> and you get these like superstar graders, they're just, you know, elite level. Everyone's like, Oh, this is his year. And then next thing you know, he goes, you know, it's an SEC school to get in the SEC play and he just falls flat because he's playing against lesser competition. So it's like, okay, sometimes you look at those, how they get those high grades. And it's like, I mean, if they're playing a power of five school, that's not happening. like he can't do that against this type of guy. So, I mean, you know, like your guys, Heisman, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, your guys' podcast, Blue Blue by 90, I, I love the name because it's going to be Blue by 90 each of the first three weeks of the year for it, I guarantee it. They're going to be off the charts in all kinds of metrics, but, you know, it's probably going to be justified in a lot of aspects, but you'll get some of those teams in there that, you know, maybe aren't so much justified there. So, you know, going back to your original question, it's it's not the be-all, end-all, definitely a leading indicator. Um, yeah, I hold a lot of faith in them, obviously, and I'm, I mean, you know, I'm biased. I work for the company. Um, (laughs) I I think it's an excellent grading system. I think it's better than a lot of people give it credit for. Um, But it's definitely not we're holding it up saying, no, this is exactly right every single step of the way. You know, every once in a while, you'll see a high grader that's probably not as good as, you know, one would think given his ranking there. So it makes sense. Um, Kalen, you got a question? Well, I was just going to say, I I love browsing the site. Like it, it kind of gives me the same appeal as like you ever been on like college football reference or something like that. And like I just get lost in so many stats, yeah. numbers, whatever's going on. And like there's plenty of times where I'm like, how the hell is this guy graded so high? Oh, he's only got like four pass attempts or whatever. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I just love the, the website layout. Um, I, I was kind of curious you have so many stats and it's year to year from like players and teams and things like that. Has there ever been any thought about like moving even forward to like grading coaches? Yeah. So we actually have that behind the scenes and actually, I mean, I'm not sure if you guys saw, but we have um, Connor McQuiston, you know, intern of ours, but under flyers, you like the NFL head coaches and, you know, he kind of used his own system there. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to kind of rank those types of players or th- those types of coach that, you know, whole atmosphere really, um, and getting a firm answer 
And I think we, we do have a pretty good system that's behind the paywall um, that teams do use. And we do consult with teams, you know, at the NFL level, um, sometimes at the collegiate level, as far as, you know, they'll ask, who would you hire based off of what your data is telling you? And we'll give our input. Um, but we know it was very, I think it's more valuable for play callers, you know, where you know what they're doing, they're controlling that side of the ball. When you have a head coach is kind of controlling everything, it's a little bit hard to pinpoint, but you can definitely get there. Um, so it's, it's definitely in the works. We'll see if it happens and gets, you know, to the public eventually. Um, but you know, it's also difficult because you don't want to, you know, you don't want to put anyone, you know, you don't want to make anyone you know, pretty pissed, right? Because, <laughs> you know, someone's like one team's, you got the worst head coach in the country and it's kind of a surprise. And, you know, we also work with them. So it's kind of a balancing of everything. Um, and so we'll see if that gets, you know, released out in the public. It's definitely there. Um, but, you know, I, I think it probably might be a little bit of ways away, but that's a good question. It's definitely something, especially uh, my guy, Eric Eager, the director of research and development here, he's been obsessed with over, it over the years and if you follow him on twitter he tweet his twitter's interesting he tweets some pretty outlandish stuff sometimes but he will every once in a while give an update like you know top five play callers since like this week um and we also work with the broils award uh, broils award a little bit um to get a good list of some of those play callers that exceeded expectations so i i have to ask then and this can be you know a little bit of your personal opinion mixed with some of your objective expertise What's your opinion on Harbaugh? Because there definitely seems to be like a narrative on him. Curious if maybe you have, you know, a more statistical uh, view on him. Yeah, you know, he's he's interesting. I don't think a lot of people could say they kind of had that same path for him. Um, you know, people calling for his job and then all of a sudden making the college football playoff the next year. I think you look at what he did and you have, I do think that a lot of that credit for last season has to go to the coordinators, right? McDonald and Gaddis. I mean, they played a pretty significant part in getting those, those sides of the balls to, you know, exceeding expectations. And, you know, even Sean Nua, the defensive line coach who's now at USC kind of helping develop Aiden Hutchinson, um, who was one of the most valuable players, most valuable non-quarterback in the country. Um, you know, so that I think those factors are, closer to equal with the head coach than a lot of people would think. Um, but definitely the head coach holds some weight there. And, you know, you look at what they did, it, it's kind of hard to measure the stuff that, you know, people like to say momentum a lot in games, all momentum swing, you know, and, you know, it's in our findings, it's kind of hard to measure that. It doesn't really exist. It's kind of just out there in the ether where people just, you know, bring it up when the time's right. Um, but with head coaching, there's that immeasurable aspect that, you know, some people in the analytics community will disagree with. I think holds some weight that rah-rah nature, right, you know, where you can kind of effectively lead a group of people. And I think it's more, you know, prevalent at the collegiate level where these, I mean, they're, I mean, college kids, right? I mean, they're, they're student athletes. They're not, you know, getting paid. Well, some of them are now. They're not, you know, getting paid millions of dollars over the course of a contract. They're, they're not adults with kids. You know, the, these guys are, you know, fresh out of high school and some of them do need that coaching. I mean, you saw that report, right, with uh, the, I think it was from The Athletic talking about the way some of these coaches hire the, their assistants. Harbaugh was featured in there. Uh, the one that stood out to me was Nick Saban. You know, he didn't care about the X's and O's. He cared about how he controlled the room because he needed to, you know, that the assistant needed to kind of show these five stars that they're not all that like they've been told since they're the you know age of seven. Right. That they're at a different level now. So 
there's definitely that immeasurable aspect that is important. And that's why I, I'm, I like Harbaugh. I, I think you can see with that, he has that special trait to form a team of good culture and a group, good group of people, you know, like, like we saw last year. So it's, um, it's an interesting question. I don't think there's a right answer to it. Um, definitely not a wrong one either, but you know, at least my opinion is I do think that, you know, despite even those head coaches that are not play callers and, you know, honestly, we're seeing more and more of those just because these coaches, some of them that did have play calling duties, it's hard to manage a full roster. Right. And then I think in the age of social media, you have to be more connected with your players than ever um, because they're constantly getting, you know, just, uh, you know, the eagle eye, right. They're just watching them all the time. You know, they need to help kind of control that, but also, just with the nature of the game, you're spending less time with families if you're taking on play calling duties. So you're seeing more of those coaches give it up. So I, I think with head coaches and, and college football, at least it's a little bit more difficult to measure. Um, but it, there's definitely, like I said, no right answer, no wrong answer. And I, I think that's the, the culture plays a bigger part than most people think. So it's interesting that you brought up the Broyles award too, because Gaddis won that this past year. Um, and it's funny <laughs> as well that you're talking about play callers because I was in a Spotify live just yesterday with a bunch of Michigan fans uh, and Ant Wright on on Twitter. If you follow, if you don't follow Ant Wright on Twitter, you got to go follow him. But there were a lot of people as we were talking about Gaddis, and now that there, there's a coaching change for the offensive coordinator, obviously the defensive coordinator as well. But on the offensive side of the ball, those play calling duties. And people were calling him the fraud of the year instead of the coach of the year. So I, I think there is there are a lot of people that like Josh Gaddis and what he did here at Michigan. Obviously, the, the offense was last year, even though it was run heavy, still one of the best offenses that Michigan has had in a really long time, right? Um, but people question, how much was he involved? How much was it Matt Weiss and Sharon Moore, actually? You know, and, and even Jim Harbaugh, I think that's been a big – question is how much uh you know has Jim Harbaugh actually let off the reins and that type of stuff or, or is does he have his his you know thumbprint still big time on this uh on this uh, playbook and so my my question there is you know do you think that Michigan takes a, a big step back post Josh Gaddis or or was it not as much Josh Gaddis as it was what everyone out or everyone around him did too. So they can plug in Matt Weiss and they'll be okay. I think that's a very fair question. And I think with the way everything ended, it's, it's even more kind of, this could be something. It was so weird, gonna, wasn't it? Yeah. Like It was like, all right, you win the Broyles award. And then you like, I don't. And then all of a sudden it sounds like Harbaugh doesn't really want him back enough to pay right. him what he wants. And so then he's like, all right, fuck you. I'm out. I'm going to Miami. And there we are. So that was so weird too. Yeah. It's, um, hopefully we find out one day. I'm not sure we ever <laughs> will, but there, I think that, again, I think it's a very fair question to ask and there's no doubt Josh Gaddis played a part. It's just like you said, how much of a part did he play? And he, I think he knows what he, he I know he knows what he's doing. Right. I mean, right. Right. I, I think that's very, you know, well known out there. And I think, Part of it too that uh, that Michigan offense last year, like like you said, very run heavy and running the ball in the collegiate level, a little bit different from the NFL level. It's very valuable if you have those different difference makers back there. Michigan did with yeah. Corum and Haskins. Um, I mean, you can you know be a game changing offense and lead by that. You know, you can pound ground and pound the ball and be just fine. 
as long as you have a quarterback that's not making mistakes. And Cade McNamara, for the most part, he was, you know, some people might not like this, but he was a game manager, but that's perfectly fine. And then you had those moments every once in a while with JJ when he was put in there. Um, you know, what made that Michigan offense special, though, in my opinion, and kind of put them over the top and really came out in some big moments and key games were the, the trick plays. I mean, no team had more success last year on trick plays than Michigan, right? I mean, you, we saw it constantly. Which I mean, they I, were, can I step in real quick? Yeah, because for that sure. That was my biggest, like, gripe with Michigan's offense in the past. They never threw a wrinkle in, ever. Never even, like, a misdirection. And then all of a sudden, there was, like, they, they connected on every single one of those plays, and it was unbelievable. So I just had to say that, too. That, you know, that's a perfectly perfect point right there. And I, I I may be wrong here, but I believe I saw something where, you know, they tried, I think some outlet tried to ask Carball about, you know, how much pull do you have with the offense? And he said, hey, every once in a while, you know, let him know, give, give him the trick, you know, every once in a while. And that's where my head kind of goes there. I, mean, I think guys played a part in it, but I don't think he was alone in that. Yeah. So whether or not he was deserving of it is a very fair point. I mean, personally, um, probably not. I've already gave it to Jeff Grimes, the Baylor offensive coordinator. I thought what he did, considering the talent he had, which is very little talent that down there, that he was remarkable. Um, but you know, and also too, he, he kind of had success in the past. Made Zach Wilson the second overall pick, um, <laughs> it, which is a whole other can of worms we can get into. But um, but no, it's it's definitely a fair point. I, I think Michigan's offense this year is going to look relatively the same. Yeah depending on which avenue they go at with quarterback, you know, if Cade does have a short leash and I imagine he probably will, then I think it could kind of get interesting there. But we could see another scenario where it's just like last year, right? Where they're, it's mostly Cade. We get JJ every once in a while when they want to mix it up and kind of go for the big play, you know, some of those, uh, the trickery. Um, I, I think that's definitely a possibility. I personally would ride with JJ um, just given his high upside. And so I, I think Michigan's offense could be, I think there's a pretty established floor given the um, run game that they're going to have. They still have a good offensive line, of course, like I said, with Corum, and you have some other playmakers there as well. You know, I, I still think you're going to see the trick plays, and I think you're still going to have success with those. They're not going to be, you know, directly what they were last year, but they're going to, you know, find a way to get, you know, Donovan Edwards and A.J. hitting the ball in their hands in space and, you know, give them room after – yeah, um, run, run after the catch, or uh, you run in space in general. Um, so I, I think there's a pretty established floor there. It's just kind of how high it can go. And you look at this team as a whole. That defense is—it's not going to be what it was last year. You know, that's going to be upside of the ball. It's going to see some regression. And you know, I think you know we we've heard the stories too about you know how under Don Brown it was pretty vanilla. It was you know, cookie cutter. Everyone knew what they were going to do. They yeah. just thought we have the better talent. We're going to beat you, even though you know it just didn't work. It worked um, against teams that they had better talent against. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Which is great why, until you yeah. play Penn State and Michigan State and Ohio State. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, yeah. So I, I think if they, if Michigan wants to kind of repeat the success they had last year, it's going to have to be flip flopped where the, the defense is serviceable, good enough. Um, but the offense is going to have to carry him. And I think with JJ, that's how it's going to happen. You know, we'll see what happens. I still think, like I said, it's got a high floor. I'm confident with their play calling abilities at hand, and they're going to be able to know how to to use their playmakers at every position. Makes sense. Yeah, I I think that it's 
it's a tough thing because, I, in my opinion, Josh Gaddis in, in year one and year two, was he was not good. He was just not a good play caller. He was thrown into a role that he had never done before, literally hadn't called plays before, and he didn't know what to do. And so that's where I thought that he like figured it out in year three. It took him a couple years. So I this is my concern for Michigan's offense going forward in this year is Matt Weiss is in the same boat. He hasn't called plays uh, very often, right? And so I think calling plays is this thing where you can play as much NCAA as you want, play as much Madden, watch as much film, you know, have as many practices as possible. You don't really get play calling experience until you're in a game and a third and four situation and you have to know what you're going to run against that team, uh, you know, depending on what you see for the, from the defense. And so I, I just don't think you get experience. I, I don't know if there are many people outside of like uh, uh, a Joe Brady that have come in and like immediately gotten it. And it's an immediately click. So my, my concern for Michigan this year would be like that the play calling in the offense could, could take a, a step back possibly. Um, but I think to your point, like, I think that's when you, you can't, if you're, if the offense isn't like super prolific and it's not like high powered, then you need a JJ McCarthy to come in and do that. You can't rely on Cade McNamara and just like ho hum down the field. So um, I I just I'm I'm a little bit concerned, but it it'll be interesting to see how it goes. So yeah, and you know it's interesting because like I don't think enough people. I mean like any, any like anything in you know the the sport of football. It's a lot harder than it looks. I mean, these yeah. guys are it's these not guys are Madden, right? Yeah. It's not Madden. <laughs> yeah, and even play calling, it's like it's pretty easy just to sit there and be like, well, that was stupid when you have like all the information in front of you or these guys right. are scrambling on the sideline. Yeah. Um, every once in a while, obviously, you can be like, yeah, this guy's probably not that good at what he's doing because of the consistency. Or every once in a while, you'll get a stupid decision. Like, you know, yeah. the, the New York Giants running a sneak on, you know, what was it like? what nine yards ago third nine or whatever i don't know <laughs> it was um it's stuff like that where but like there's a lot of people that just don't understand like that's one of the most difficult things is just to nail the play call um and you know kind of play chess there because you know the the defense they're watching film they're studying you they're getting you have to disguise everything to make sure they're not going to see what's coming there and don't get too greedy because this worked earlier in the game and you think it's going to work again you know and think about it too, because I mean, I always think about this. When you, I played football, and I know that there, you could have the exact right play call, but if you have a, ten guys do the right thing and one guy doesn't, the play is blown up, right? And so, how do like it's so hard to get 11, 20 year olds on the same page with your <laughs> coordinator, make it all go right, and then. Also, the other team can't just make a miraculous play. Like, it, it is really difficult. So, I, you know, even, like, I know there are a lot of times where it, we went back and watched film, and it's like, oh, shit, we did run that right play call. They just ran the correct play call against us and hit the gap, and that was what did it. So it's one of those things that are tough. But um, I wanted to ask you this, too, uh, and, then, and then I'll let Kalen jump in here, too. Give us somebody on Michigan who we're going to be mad about that their rankings aren't high enough. Ooh, um, it's I think Michigan's fan base is interesting because they're all <laughs> over the place. Like you're you're getting diff, like so many different opinions there. You get some of those like very passionate fans that everybody's great. 
some of them are like real and like, yeah, I think Cade's probably the one that stands out where some people, you know, I think there's some, there's a contingent out there that think he's thinks he's the option and that he can lead them to success. I don't really see that at all whatsoever. Um, like I said, I think he's a, a ceiling game manager and that's it. Um, so I probably have to say he's the one that kind of stands out to me. Um, everyone else is pretty, pretty high. I mean, I'm really high on it. Pretty much everyone else on the offense. I mean, that's the best, that's the best, I think, set of skill position players in the country. One of the best, um, need to be careful with that. But yeah, I mean, Corum, Henning, Edwards, Ronnie Bell, um, Andrew Anthony, Eric all, you can go on and on. I mean, all those guys have the potential to be special, special players. Um, so I, I mean, I probably have to go with Cade, even though I think that's a smaller contingent that thinks he's going to be something good, um, you know, relative to everything else. But yeah, going back to the original thing, like I said, yeah, Michigan's fan base is interesting. I love it. It's one of the most passionate <laughs> fan bases in the country. Yeah, you've riled up the the Cade and JJ fight oh a few God. months early here. Yeah, a few months early. It's been going on. It's since been ongoing like two years ago, even when JJ wasn't even on campus yet. So. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious um, because Michigan finally got over the hump, beat Ohio State. Now they have to go play Ohio State in Ohio, which obviously is arguably one of the toughest things in college football. Um, and Ohio State is definitely not going to roll over. I mean, they are going to have a very bad taste in their mouth all year. And I'm sure they're going to make a lot of improvements on defense. And they might have an even better offense than they did last year. So do you think there's anything specific that Michigan has to do to come out and beat Ohio state on their home turf? Or is it kind of one of those just toss a coin kind of games? Yeah, I think we kind of have to wait and see to like get really specific at what they need to do because I think there's a lot of wild cards with Ohio State, specifically with that defense. I mean, obviously, they got Jim Knowles from Oklahoma State. It's a huge addition. But how quickly can all of those players get up to speed? I mean, he brought, you know, Tanner McAllister. He's going to man the slot for him from Oklahoma State. He was a transfer in. You know, he's going to be just fine, obviously. But it's everyone else. I mean, there's a ton of talent there. You know, Denzel Burke, obviously, the cornerback, you know, shined as a true freshman last year, was supposed to be a wide receiver, learning the position, looked fantastic. Um, you know, the defensive line is great. You have some five stars that could break out. Jack Sawyer, um, Tyleek Williams, the interior defensive lineman. I'm pretty high on him. Um, you know, so there's a lot of talent there. It's just kind of how can they get active, you know, activated there? I don't know how quickly they can. I'm kind of expecting, you know, for a few years there, you know, that secondary at Ohio State, they called themselves BIA, best in America. I don't think they're going to be that this year. I think they could get there. They have the raw talent, but I don't think it's going to be this year. And at that point, you kind of have to – I go back to the quarterbacks because you're going to have to have a special quarterback that can put up points because, like you said, that offense is going to be nasty. And I think, too, with that offense, I still I still want to see more of C.J. Stroud. Obviously, he's a top-five quarterback returning in college football. You know, he's great talent, got a big arm. Um, my concern with him – is like not that he can't be a good quarterback. I mean, he's going to be a fantastic quarterback. It's can he be a national championship quarterback? And you look at last year, you saw the early season struggles consistency-wise um, against Oregon. Oregon ended up going in the shoe and beating them, shocking everybody. I think they were a couple touchdown underdog and did so. Um, and you look at C.J. Stroud, and you know I'm probably the only one that would say I think he played a bigger role 
in that than, you know, anyone else on the team. There were some mistakes by everybody, but I think he had some misses there. And you look at, I go back to his accuracy. It's if you look at the numbers over the course of the year, it's some of the best in the country, but he has some outliers because he's very inconsistent with his mechanics. And I thought he tweaked it when he sat out that game because of the shoulder injury. And I think he was kind of overcompensating a little bit. You didn't really see that core get used properly. And you saw some just wide, wide misses where a lot of people kind of panicked early on before he started to kind of figure some things out. Now he's still kind of, we didn't really, I didn't see that consistency that worries me when you're playing a team that's going to have a lot of, you know, force a lot more tight window throws, you know, they're not going to be wide open alleys there. Like some of those teams he was facing down that hot stretch. Um, we did see some growth from him where I was very impressed, you know, kind of moving off his first read, you know, when he was, when he was out going out there to have to make a play, make the right decision. I mean, he did it and he made some big time throws in there. So I think he's a very special quarterback. I think there's just a little bit more because like right now we're seeing a lot of debate, like who's the number one overall pick next year. Is it CJ Stratt or Bryce Young? For me, it's like right, right now, a lot's going to change. It could be completely different, but I think it's Bryce Young and, I personally can't can't see CJ Stroud above Bryce Young because I still need to see CJ Stroud show he's a, he's a championship quarterback. Um, and I think those kind of issues that I outlined is something I'm going to be keeping an eye on. Now, I don't want anyone to take this be like, I don't believe in Ohio State. I think they're going to be – they're one of two teams that's going to win the national title. I just need to see that. So that's something I would be looking for on the offensive side of the ball. But, of course, you have Jackson Smith and Jigba, Marvin Harrison Jr., you have Travion Henderson. Um, you know, very good offensive tackle duo with Dewan Jones and um, Paris Johnson moving over from guard back to his natural spot at tackle. I mean, this is going to be a very good team. So I think the, the questions I need to see before, because I think the, the line's probably out right now, but I, I don't know it off the top of my head. But I imagine Ohio State's a pretty hefty favorite. I think and, it was it was close to two touchdowns. I think it was two touchdowns, yeah. 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 And, and so I can see that based off of, like, everything that I outlined. I think a lot of people think C.J. Stroud's, an elite quarterback, one of the best college quarterbacks that's walked this earth in the last few years. And that defense is going to rebound. I think that those are two things where I could see happening, but I'm very, very cautious to say that's automatic going to happen um, this upcoming season. And with the defense probably being the, being the one I'm least confident in. Um, so going back, that was a long, long ramble I just did there. But going back <laughs> to your original question, I if I had to bet that right now, I'd probably take Michigan. Um, I think it would be a little bit closer than that, but uh, like, again, if Michigan's going to beat them, it's, they're not even going to have, they're not only going to have to have Ohio state, those two point issues I pointed out be issues. They're going to have to have JJ McCarthy as their quarterback and he's going to have to, you know, be the, the quarterback. Everyone's kind of expecting him to be. I, I think if Michigan wants to beat Ohio state this year, they're going to have to score 50 plus points, honestly, because, Ohio State is going to score 40-some, if not 50. And so it's just going to have to be a shootout, which that be, that game being a shootout is the last thing that Michigan wants, right? It's the last thing. But it's you're going to have to play their game because it's in their house, and that's what they're going to do. Um, the question I have about C.J. Stroud is, how good is C.J. Stroud? Because he never he's made some tough throws, 90% of the throws he has, the guys are 10 yards wide open. So I don't know, like, I don't see him all the time, like forcing a throw right into a, you know, tight spot and making an unbelievable throw. Yes, he he has made those and he's he's dropped dimes and all that stuff, but it's not like he's doing that play in and play out. And this is me being biased for sure. I, I'll admit that right away. But I just like, 
I, I just I don't know if we'll know truly if he is like that elite quarterback that you're talking about, that championship quarterback, even until after he leaves Ohio State and goes to the NFL. And and then he's going against NFL defenses with the Jets at wide receiver instead of, you know, three top five picks at wide receiver. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, it was good by you to clear that up that he has made those because you're going to get if some Ohio State fan does that, you're going to see the throw against Indiana where he yeah. just piped it down the middle. But no, I'm right there with you. I mean, most he made he's made some incredible throws. He's been on time. It's just you know, can like I like well, like exactly like you said, it, it, can he do it at the NFL level? That's where I'm a little bit cautious to say it's a slam dunk automatic. Yeah, he's he's going to be a superstar. I think there's some some reason like there's a case to be made to be doubtful. Yeah. But you know, he's still a very good quarterback. But yeah, I, I think, you know, I, like I said, I'm not as bullish on him as someone like Bryce Young, who I think is well undersized. His footwork is, I mean, NFL coaches are going to have a field day with his footwork. They're going to puke. They're going to call him every name in the book for it because they're going to be <laughs> just frustrated. But it works for him at the collegiate level. And he, his talent's just absurd. And his natural processing ability is off the charts. So, you know, I, I think it's, it's not so much a debate for me right now, even though for a lot of people it is. Yeah. Um, and so we talked about JJ too. Talk about JJ and Cade's, uh, their form too, and, and what they both bring to the table. Because I think a lot of people are just like, they want to see JJ's arm and his talent and all that stuff. And I understand it because there were a significant number of passes, like deep passes that Cade did not connect on. Whether it was short or it was long, he couldn't get it. But then, you know, there are a couple deep balls that we've seen JJ drop in a bucket. So, um, you know, compare the two, I, you know, I'd say it, it's obviously we know it's the game manager versus the the Johnny Manziel type unbelievable athlete, right? But, like, when we get down to form and what the, what each of them can bring to the table, where, where do you see both of them? Yeah, I mean, they're completely different quarterbacks i mean just only at different ends of the spectrum um and like you said kate you just can't hit the throws downfield he cannot make those throws downfield and that's an issue um he can take good care of the football you know he can be you know accurate underneath um he can hit the easy stuff you know he's going to take care of the football like i said and that's kind of if you have a stellar running game and an elite defense that's going to win you football games get you to the cfp like he did last year um but when you have some deficiencies on defense you're going to need something to kind of help there with JJ you saw it last year like you said I mean he's just an absurd athlete you know I'll never forget I mean that Big Ten I was at the Big Ten championship and that play where he's just running down the sideline you know stride for side with like Coram catching him up I was like what the hell is this I mean I knew it was fast but I mean it, it was just absurd how he, how quick he was there um and so you you look at what he can do there the designed run game but also um you know outside the pocket on the run creating plays off structure um you know of course he had that he had that awesome touchdown off platform against michigan state um you know of course that's kind of negated by the fumble which is kind of you can argue it's on the running back too but well, i'm putting that on to the side that's a yeah. rare mistake um you know i i think his ability from an accuracy perspective and hitting that deep throw he's proven that um and two i thought last year he had a couple of high level moments where you're like, okay, this kid knows how to play quarterback. It's some of these, some of these offenses in college football are propped up by scheme and they're getting their hand held. Right. I mean, that's something, you know, I mentioned Seth Lena earlier. 
um, talk to him about it all the time. I mean, he's like, oh, he's getting his hand held. He's in a you know, quarterback friendly offense, ecology type of offense. There were some times where JJ last year, you're like, wait a second, that, that was an NFL threat. He he did some stuff that you don't see college quarterbacks do as far as understanding what the defense is doing. He made one against Georgia that the one I, down the middle. Yeah, oh, that one. God. That one, I was like, I from that, I was no one was a bigger fan. Um, besides my guy Dave of JJ McCarthy and the PFF offices <laughs> than me and that was a big debate because I remember we were getting shouting matches like no he's the guy not Cade and that throw I was like yep that, that kid's gonna be special you know I mean George is playing Rip Liz there and he fits it into that tight before passing it off that, that I mean that small window there I mean that's that's elite stuff so yeah, that those are the differences between the two so I mean Cade I mean for Big Ten standards Cade's a good quarterback because a lot of Big Ten teams would kill to have a Cade McNamara. There's like but, eight. There's like probably eight to ten teams that would be like, "You're our starter day one." Right? Oh yeah. I mean, you compare him to. I mean, I don't want to like have guys catching strays, but like Sean Clifford at Penn State. I mean, it's Cade McNamara. Yeah. Um, you look at Illinois, Indiana, probably not Purdue, Minnesota, probably Cade McNamara. I mean, I think the only places he's not is Ohio State. Purdue, Maryland. I mean, those are really the ones that stand out. As, as been, I think any other been team born would have. MSU, I think, would have a good battle. Maybe mm-hmm. Thorne would come out on top, but still. Yeah, I mean, it's – um, yeah, I mean, he's – again, he's a good quarterback, and I don't want to make it seem like I hate the guy that he stinks. I mean, he's, he's good for college standards. But, again, if you want to be – Michigan wants to be elite. They want to be competing for national titles. He's not going to be, you know, the guy that can get you over that hump. So, I mean, that's where it all kind of stems from. Yeah, I I think that it's um it, it's a tough situation that Michigan fans are in. You have this kid that won you the first Big Ten title in almost two decades, and you kind of want to, you still want the next thing, right? But I I think it's way more complex than that. You can appreciate everything that Cade McNamara did for Michigan last year. You can say that he was, you know, very, very good and he did the job that he needed to do. But then you can also at the same time say that, hey, we want to get to the next level when we feel like J.J. McCarthy, sophomore J.J. McCarthy can get us there. And there are just like, I think Cade McNamara himself would probably admit like there are certain things that J.J. can do that I can't, right? Um, now, with that being said, like, I know that Cade's leadership in the locker room is unreal, right? I know that he knows that playbook like the back of his freaking hand. So I think there are other things to it. But, you know, either way, we're going to we're gonna debate this until September 3rd or whatever, probably even later into the season anyway. So, yeah. But, Jack, welcome to the show. We appreciate you uh, taking the time to join us. I came right on time. Yeah, slandering yeah. Cade or what? No, no, Anthony was. Anthony was. Anthony yeah, was. Anthony. Modestly, modestly. He's a, he's a good quarterback. Nothing, nothing special, but I, I like it. Dang. <laughs> we were just talking about what they both bring to the table, to be honest. But um, so, all right, let's uh, let's do some power rankings of the Big Ten here. Um, so we talked a little bit already about Ohio State. Um, who else? Who else do you got at the top of that list that you think could be competing? in both the East and then the West for, uh, to get to Indy. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's Ohio state, Michigan. I don't, I'm not buying Michigan state. I think they're Ooh. going to, 
Yeah. Talk ain't coming. Talk ain't coming. Yeah. I so <laughs> like Indiana, for example, 2020, unreal year. Surprised everybody. You know, everyone's on the bandwagon. Then they fall off a little bit last year. I can see Michigan State doing the same thing. I'm not saying they're going to go two and ten, but I think they're going to struggle a little bit more than a lot of people think. I think the loss of Kenneth Walker is significant. I'm not as high on Peyton Thorne as a lot of people. I think so. There's there's a difference in like flukiness and like having trick play success. Like Michigan had they had good offensive design, but they also had like special players that pair with that. Where it's like some teams can sniff it out, but we just have better players that you know we're still going to beat you with it. With Michigan State, I mean, they still have good players. Jaden Reed, wide receiver, is exceptional. But, I mean, they had a lot of success off of flea flickers. I mean, I've never seen anything before like it. I mean, they had like four 35-plus-yard flea flicker touchdowns. You just don't see that. That's <laughs> not going to happen again. And, you know, that defense, everyone knows the secondary is not good. I'm concerned about the pass rush. They lost some key guys there. Jacob Slade, the interior defensive lineman, is awesome. But I think that front seven is a little bit weaker. I think they're going to take a back seat. I, I think the only team I would be – thinking man I wouldn't be super surprised if they shocked everybody is Wisconsin because they're really a quarterback away if I'm, I don't think he's going to turn it around but if what if Graham Mertz is something what if he's good that's going to be a really good, good for five season. games he, he was, was unreal. Yeah. he was like Heisman for five games yeah, I mean that debut was at 2020 against Illinois he didn't oh throw single uncatchable passes one incompletion was a drop he's he's uh ever since then though it's kind of been rough and so, I mean, if he can turn it around, then we're talking Wisconsin probably, even though they lost, the, I think, their two most important players um, defensively with Leo Chanel and Jack Sanborn, the off-ball linebackers, which those, for those, that scheme, Jim Leonard's scheme, those are the engines of that, uh, that defense, right, with their blitz packages, their pressure packages. But I still think that they're going to have a lot of success there. So I think, you know, it's probably, you know, Ohio State, then Michigan. And I think there's a, a – a gap, but probably not as sizable as some people would think. And then Wisconsin. Um, I, I think it's going to be Wisconsin out of the West. I think maybe someone could surprise them. I don't see Iowa doing it again because it was a lot of just relying on coverage play and interceptions, and that's not stable year to year. That offense is going to be a train wreck. Oh, and, my God. Yeah. And so, By the end of the year, that was like they were – that offense was so bad. Yeah. I mean, I think – Minnesota, I don't think they're going to shock people or by any means. I think they could be, you know, sneaky good, maybe just a tough team every once in a while. I mean, again, they did lose to Bowling Green last year. And, you know, they Tanner Morgan's their quarterback. And, you know, they kind of relying on some some bad – I don't know. I, I don't want to get too deep into it. I think it, Jack actually looks like Tanner Morgan a little bit. More you athletic do. version, though. More yeah, athletic version, I think. Though. I think if it, I played quarterback for Minnesota, that would really – Bring them up. That's you have the look. Notch they need. You do have the look. I met. I did. Tanner came into the PFF offices offices one uh, one time, and um, they, he was a super nice guy. Um, but now that you say that, I, I mean, it's spinning image. I mean, if you if you showed up in the PFF offices, is that Tanner Morgan back here again? But no, um, start working out a little bit harder. <laughs> you need some PJ Fleck in your life, right? <laughs> What about like uh, boilers, right? I mean, they. I saw that they have oh, yeah. a, a really highly ranked uh, QB, like one of the highest ranked QBs in the country, which I yeah. found a little bit surprising, but like interesting. Yeah, and they're they're a team too. That's a sneaky team. I wouldn't be surprised if we're looking back and they're. Uh, I don't want 
uh, this is a loose record project projection, but I wouldn't be surprised if they're eight and four, may maybe nine and three. I could see them surprising some people because of Aiden O'Connell, the quarterback. I mean, that's a legit quarterback. He can do some special stuff. Um, you know, the wide receiver room is a little thin with losing David Bell, but they still have Milton Wright, the former four-star recruit. But offensive line is going to be decent. Um, I think they're going to be good offensively. It's just the defense. That's where all the questions start to arise. Can they cover? So, you know, I think Purdue's going to be a sneaky good team as well. I still think, though, I would be I would be pretty surprised if it's any team other than Ohio State or Michigan coming out on top. And, you know, Maryland's also a sneaky team, but they're in the East. They're just they're not at the level Michigan and Ohio State are. You know, I think this is a conference that really, really needs the divisions just wiped because the East is unfair. I mean, it's just it's super stacked to the point where it's just unfair to teams like Maryland, um, Indiana and Rutgers is, is the other one, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just unfair. It's unfair to those teams. So. How would you how would you do the the conference then if you if you got rid of divisions? I'm with you. Like, I, I think they should do what the Big 12 did or does. But like, would you yeah. have the top two teams play, or would you have some sort of difference, different thing? So it's not like Michigan and Ohio State playing each other every year. Yeah, I would definitely kind of do what the Big Twelve does. I think that's probably the right strategy. I think you keep those rivalry games intact, and you know, I, it gets tricky if you want to kind of do like those little pods where you play each other. You're guaranteed to play each other every year. Um, but I, I think probably that's the best strategy, um, and keep those special rivalry games intact. Um, but yeah, like I said, you just wipe them. I mean, it, it needs to be done. Tell us about your, uh, do you have a, you've probably had a lot of like good interactions with players and coaches in college football. I'm, I imagine. Is there one that stands out? It's like you had a hilarious interaction or, or something like a good storyline or anything. Oh, um, I got to think, I got some of them I don't want to say. But, um, <laughs> Off the record. We'll stop. I think, I think probably the funniest one was just like, you know, at the senior bowl and, you know, shooting the shit with PJ Fleck. And he was just so in on these wide receivers because he's a wide receiver guy. He had his, he was, he's been on, you know, been over just like writing these guys out. Just like, look at this. You see that right there? And just, he was just kind of breaking these guys down. Like he was like, the, the general manager for an NFL team, it's like, what are you doing? Like, these guys, you're not going to see these guys. But he was just so infatuated with these guys. He was pure football mode, and that's who he is. So that's probably, like, one of the most recent, like, kind of funny ones there. Some of the stuff I can't say, but, you know, he, that was probably one where I was just, like, kind of caught off guard. I was like, man, this guy's – this is a football guy. <laughs> like, he, he's – you could tell, like, he's probably – right now, I don't know what he's doing. It's football. It's going to be July at 9 p.m. on a Wednesday. He's – thinking about football in any month of the year. So that's, that's the type of guy he is. He, he does seem a little crazy, but which is like, but it's like football guy crazy where it's, it's normal then if you're a football guy. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, to be a college football head coach, you kind of got to have to like, you got to have the loose screw a little bit. I mean, that, that's just kind of the way it is. And those guys are some of the best in obviously in the industry. So, I mean, that's, it goes to show what kind of like greatness is. And I think you can say that about any profession. Yeah. Right. Here's oh, a truly, man. truly difficult question for you. Uh oh. What is a more difficult conference, the Big Ten East or the SEC West? Ooh. Um. 
So I actually, I talked to uh, Mike Loxley today, Maryland head coach. I saw that. I asked, yeah. I asked him the same thing. And he, I mean, obviously he's going to say it because he's coaching in the big 10 East, but he's like, yeah, I mean, coming from Alabama, he's like, that's pretty similar. I mean, the big 10 East can go toe to toe with the BSCC. And I think they're probably about the same. Like I'm a little biased towards big 10 because I grew up in big 10 country. Right. And that's what I watched. I mean, I personally, like a lot of guys in PFF, they hate like, uh, what was it? Penn state, Illinois last year. They hated it. It said it was horrible football. What was, what was that? It. Seven overtimes or something like that. Yeah. I mean, it was just pure disgusting. But it was the best. Football. They couldn't yeah. score. Nobody could <laughs> fucking score. I mean, I loved it. That's just what I grew up on. Everyone else is like from out west, you know, from the south. They're like, what the hell is this? You want to know? Actually, side note, too. One of the best shirts at the Big Ten Championship game that I saw was an Iowa uh, guy wearing a shirt that just said, punting is winning. <laughs> and I thought that was <laughs> the best shirt ever. I mean, that, that's I mean, that's some Big Ten football right there. But, you know, I, I think the Big Ten East is probably – Closer than some of SEC SEC Nation would be hard no. They're not even remotely in the same stratosphere. I think they're closer than that, but I don't know if the one's clearer than the other. It depends on the year. I see you are a man of culture as well. So <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. I, I feel like there's a there's an argument there for sure. Um, but you know, if you ask anybody in the SEC, then it would be a different story, I imagine. So yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, I'm I'm all out of questions to be honest. We've been going on for almost an hour now, so I don't want to keep you too long. Yeah, I mean, thank you guys for having me. I I, I enjoy this a ton. Um, I'm not sure what kind of like college football stuff we're gonna have coming out. We're going through some, you know, changing of strategies and stuff here, but you know, we'll have some PFF um, college football stuff up on the site. We have a preview guide coming up too, um, which kind of goes in deep on Michigan and going to say some positive things about Michigan, even though the quarterback is kind of situations up in the air. So um, we'll have that on PFF.com. But yeah, thank you guys for having me on. I totally enjoyed it. Absolutely, man. And I, I did, I was talking to Dave. He, he said I had to, to talk about him to you because you guys are tight. Oh yeah. I mean, me and Dave, we have some, we have some fun memories, um, some long nights together. There's no doubt about that, but we, we have some good memories. I mean, Dave's my guy. That's one of my favorite people on the planet. There's no doubt about that. He's, he's the absolute man. There you go. Well, we're, we're going to have Dave Safaro on our pod at some point here too, coming up to talk Michigan. So we're excited about that, but I'll, I'll tell you what, I don't think there's a soul on this planet more passionate about Michigan than Dave. <laughs> and he's, it, it's rubbed, it rubbed off on everybody. Um, he's just in such an infectious dude. I love him to death, but yeah, that's that. When you hear like that's die hard, he's the definition of die hard. I respect the heck out of it. I love it. I love that's it. Perfect. He'll fit in perfectly here. <laughs> um, so yeah, we appreciate you, man. I honestly, we love PFF. So if you guys are out there listening to this, go subscribe, go follow these guys. Anthony Tresh. Uh, what's what's your? Is it Anthony Tresh PFF? Uh, at, at PFF underscore Anthony. Okay, there you go. So go follow him on Twitter uh, and go read his stuff at PFF, doing all the the good work for us so that we uh, can pretend to know what the hell is going on in college football. (laughs) Um, So we appreciate you doing the dirty work for us. Uh, So go follow them there. You can follow us at Blue by 90 on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, at Blue by 90 podcast on YouTube as well. We appreciate you.
Go blue. Go blue. Go blue.